Genesis chapter 19. We're, preach, we're journeying through Genesis. And now I want three people to promise me you'll pray that I'll preach fast. Where we, can, can I see any hands? Oh, uh, 50 people raised their hand. I'm sorry. 50 people raised their hands. Pray for Sister Raylene. She's sick this morning. Pray for others that are sick. Many uh, people, you, you might not believe this, but a lot of people are gone today. And, but I want to say a special welcome to uh, all of the folks that were here for the Helfrich and Bontrager wedding. It was a beautiful wedding, and we're glad you're here. There's people from Pennsylvania and New York, and I don't know where all from, but we're glad that you're here and want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord of where you live. Genesis chapter 19 this morning, I want to preach a message entitled, The Old Man in the Mountain. The Old Man in the Mountain. I want to subtitle it, How in the World Did It Ever Get to This? How in the World Did It Ever Get to This? And uh, not something or, or message that you may not be acquainted with. Uh, actually, you know, uh, probably very acquainted with it. But uh, before we read there in chapter 19, I want you just to go with me, if you can today, with somewhat an imagination. Hopefully that our imagination will not get outside the Word of God. But just to put some emphasis on this, I want you to this morning see an old man lying back in a darkened cave up in the mountain. I want you to see him begin to stir himself after a night of drunkenness and debauchery. And uh, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. We need your divine help. I pray, God, that you strengthen me and clear my mind and help me, Lord, not to get distracted. Help me stay on target. And I just pray the Holy Spirit of God to take this service over in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to see this old man as he stirs himself up and back inside the cave. He rolls over and he feels sick in his stomach. And he moves himself around, pulls his legs out, from under, pulls his legs underneath him, rolls over on his hands and feet and knees and struggles to get up. And he belches and the smell of liquor comes out of his mouth. He looks for the door. He looks for the opening of the cave quick because he's feeling himself getting sick. And he starts stumbling toward the opening of this little cave. And as he's going toward the door, he looks to the left and he sees his two daughters over there wrapped up in kind of an old blanket. And he rushes to the front of the cave and he vomits out the cave. Then I want you to see this old man look out, wiping the vomit off of his mouth. And he looks to the northeast from up in that mountain cave. And he sees smoke billowing up out of the valley. And he begins to rehearse what has happened to him in the last several hours. And this old man in a mountain ask himself the question and I want you to ask yourself this question today and if life if you make some wrong turns in the road I want you to remember this message I believe he says to himself how on earth did it come to this how on earth did I get here Genesis chapter 19 is a recording of the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says that there came two angels at Sodom in the evening, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Now I want you to go back to chapter 18 and verse number 20, where the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Verse number two of chapter 19. And he said, behold, now my Lord's turn in. I pray these men that in chapter 18 have now arrived at Sodom and they run into Lot. And Lot says, I want you to turn in. And tarry all night and wash your feet and you shall rise up early and go on your ways. You know, he's kind of like a lot of Christians today. They don't want anybody very spiritual hanging around them very close. Yeah. Don't want to be too close to you. 
And then he said, verse number three, and he pressed upon them greatly and they turned in unto him and entered into his house and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread and they did eat. Now that tells you something that Lot knew something about spirituality. He baked them unleavened bread. That's a very significant sign right there. That was of the Lord. But before they lay down, before it got bedtime, the men of the city, even the city of San Francisco and Seattle, folks, we're here. It's not going to be, could be 10, 20 years now. We're in Sodom and Gomorrah now in this nation. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young. See, it's not just middle-aged guys. It's children. Drag queen shows. Filth. Out of hell. Nastiness. The most vile gutter out of hell. The bowels of hell does not have anything more filthy and nastier that spewing out of it than what you're getting ready to read and what's going on in America right now. They can pass the house round. All the people. Listen to it. All the people. From every quarter, the rich section of town, the poor section of town, the various racial sections of town, they all came. This thing had consumed them all. Verse 5, and they called on the lot and said unto him, where are the men which came to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. If you know anything about scripture, that phrase know them means bad stuff. Abomination. Rancid filth out of hell. Lot went out the door into them and shut the door after him and said, and this is what, this, this is what I want you to pay attention. I, I'm not preaching so much this morning on the Sodomite crowd situation as I am the Christian's response to it. And I want you to pay attention because the Bible said in Romans 15, 3 and 4, that the things were written aforetime back in the Old Testament, are written for our learning. God says, I want you to learn from this. You want to really know what's going on out here? Read your Bible. He said, I pray you brethren. Let me just tell you something. When you start calling that kind of crowd brethren, you're in bad shape spiritually. They are not your brethren. If you're saved, they are not your brethren. Quit acting like it. Quit talking like it. Do not so wickedly. He knew this was wicked. Now I want you to see how far he'd gone. But now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out to you and you do to them as is good in your eyes. I've never heard more stupid, asinine, out of hell statement from a father about his daughters in the Bible. What kind of condition have you got to get yourself in to do this kind of stupidity? Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Now here's, you ought to know the, the attitude and the mind. Now when you get in the New Testament, God says these people reprobate. Their mind's backward. They're going to call evil good. In other words, they're going to call what's horrible and evil, they're going to call that good. And they're going to call what's good, they're going to call that evil. They're reprobate. Reversed mind. They said, stand back. And they said again, by the way, you'll notice in here that not only is sodomy a raging forest fire of immorality that burns through, that's what's going on in America right now. The last 10 years, it has literally been a raging immoral forest fire that kindled back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s and has turned into a raging forest fire of immorality and swept our land and they are characterized by some things. Number one, violence. They are characterized by violence. They'll mob you. They run in wolf packs. You just well be honest with yourself. Stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came to sojourn and he will needs be what? I can just hear them queers walking up to him saying, judge not that you be not judged not. That's America's favorite Bible verse today. And Satan has taken Matthew 7, 1 and turned it into a weapon against the church. This week, as I posted, I've had all week long 
host comments to me. Judge not that you be not judged. Judge not be not judged. All right, we're going to have a little fun right here. Jim, come here, you rascal. Have you got a billfold? No, I never You don't have a billfold? I'm not interested in you. Yeah, I got a billfold. Give me a billfold. Which one you want? I don't care the one with money in it. Where's it at? Let's see here. That's all right. Here, here, take a wad here. Okay, here we go. All right. All right, now come up here just a second. Come on up here. All right, Jim, Jim, Jim is at the store. He laid this on the counter. Come here, Jim. All right. He laid it on the counter and he started talking to Ven. And while he talked to Ven, I took it. And Jim, you turn around and you just happen to see me take your wad of money and throw it into my pocket. Now, what are you going to do? Well, fiddle. I don't know. What am I going to do? I got to think about it a little bit. Well, don't. Yeah. You know what? I don't have to think about it. Did you know what? You're probably going to say, hey, you're a stinking thief. Exactly. If you'd be honest about it, right? Exactly. And you know what I'm going to say to you? Judge not that you be not judged. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's the stupidity going on in this country right now. But you know, they don't ever say that to a thief. I hear it all the time. Judge not, you call me a thief? I hear it all the time. Call me, you're judging me. You're judging me. Matthew 7 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. How many knows how stupid this is? Thank you, Jim. You can be seated. All right. Brother Brett? You got a daughter sitting right here, two daughters right here. Yes, sir. Some idiot abducts them, rapes them, and he's in courthouse and he looks at you and says, Judge not that you be not judged. Mm. How many's buying that? No. Isn't it amazing? It's only certain things we're going to judge. Right. Yeah. All over this country, there is this perversion of Scripture, and Satan is using it among Christian people that this is exactly, you know why I know that's out of hell? Because that's exactly what that Sodomite crowd did in Genesis 19 when anybody took issue with what they were doing. You need to be a judge. That's what your Bible says. Let me tell you, I want everybody, listen to me, everybody in here. You don't let that judge not be be judged. You You know what Jesus said in John chapter 7 verse 24? He said, judge not according to appearance. But judge righteous judgment. Your Savior, the Jesus of the Bible, commands you to judge. He commands you to judge. But he says judge righteous judgment. Don't just judge by the way things appear. That's why in a courtroom you should have cross-examination. And you have questions asked. And you have probing. And before you make a judgment, you check it out. But this business of saying every time somebody does it, I'm going to tell you something. You walk up to a judge and the judge says, you know, you've been accused of raping these girls, killing this girl. And and you pop off to the judge. Judge not that you be not judged. (laughs) This is stupid. This is asinine stupid. And we need to stop letting this world tell us Judge not that you be not judged and tell them, 1 Corinthians says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. And by the way, you're judging me right now and you better be. You need to be judging my preaching. You need to judge it in righteous judgment. Is this man preaching the Bible and is he rightly dividing it or is he twisting it? You better be judging. (laughs) <laughs> Megan, I got to kid you about this. Did you know, did you look at him the first time you saw him? Did you make a judgment on him? You better be judging him. You better be checking him out. Amen. Did you with her? You know what you did? You judged her. You looked her over. You weighed a lot of things up. You checked her out. You looked at her. You, you measured. You weighed her character. Yeah. This business of telling people, girls, you better be judging that guy looking at you. Amen. Boys, you better be judging that girl. You better be looking deeper. You better be judging righteous judgment. Amen. And quit. Stop it. Quit letting this world tell you this week. I've deleted. I don't know how many times. Judge not to be not judged. Judge not to be not judged. I'm going to tell you, I know it's still Bible, but I'm about sick of hearing it. it. It is a tool. It's a stick to beat you from telling the truth. It's a beating stick to shut you up in a woke council culture. You shut up while we mouth our filth. It's exactly. I'm telling you, there's nothing new under the sun. God's telling you that in that type of culture, people are going to accuse you of judging and make you feel guilty 
Because you've just told the truth to shut you up. And once they've silenced you, the floodgate will open and approval will be put on what ought to be stopped. Anyway, here he goes. You will need to be judged. Judge. Now we'll deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even lot, and came near to break the door. See that? Let me just tell you something. This is what's coming. Yeah. You get ready for it. It's already happening in towns, cities, gangs. I mean, please pray for me. I I can't preach everything that's on my heart this morning, but if I was to illustrate and give you illustration, be here all day long. Verse number 10, but the men that had come to visit Lot that were inside put forth their hand, pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whosoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place. Underline that in your Bible. Bring them out of this place. Chapter 18. We did not read it, but Abraham had that great prayer of intercession when he found out God was going to destroy Sodom. He had that great prayer of intercession. He said, God, if there's 50, would you spare it? Yes, I'll spare it. God, if there's 45, would you spare it? God, if there's 30, would you spare it? God, if there's 20, would you spare it? God kept saying, I'll spare it. I'll spare it. I want to spare it. I don't. Not, the Lord is not willing that he's long suffering, not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. Amen. But he's finally got down to 10 and Abraham thought, surely there's 10. He must have had at least 10 relatives there. And there wasn't even 10. Now, I was a great truth in this what the Bible's telling you here. You are not going to change them. They will change you. You go on their turf and think that you're going to influence them. They will kill your influence. We'll get into that more later. But that's one of the greatest truths there is in this whole chapter right here. He said in verse number 13, bring them out of this place for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great. You say, who is the cry of them? I believe it was the children, the pedophiles that were absolutely just what's going on in this country now with the child sex trafficking. Children being abducted, children being molested by their own daddies, grandpas and all that junk. Brothers and sisters, you keep your hands off your sisters, boys. You protect your sisters. Right. He will destroy this place he said, before the face of the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. I want you to notice something. Now listen, I'm not God. I'm not, I, I, I don't know, but there's something interesting about this whole story. God did not tell those angels, I want you to go down there and hold a tent meeting in Sodom. God didn't say go down there and I want you to work Sodom house to house and knock on every door. Are you listening? What did God tell them angels to do? It's over. There in the Bible is a principle that when you can cross God's deadline and they ain't sending no evangelist to you, he's not sending no missionary to you, he is going to destroy this, he's going to destroy it and it's going to be over with. You don't mess with God. You're not the one sets the terms God Almighty does. And God didn't send an evangelist down to Sodom. And God didn't send a missionary team into Sodom. And we better, Americans better wake up. There's a reason that your forefathers outlawed sodomy. There's a reason that was encoded in the law until the Supreme Court ruled otherwise in a Texas case in recent years. There's a reason your forefathers did it. You think they just, well, they're just a bunch of religious hags. The men knew history. They knew what happens to a nation that allows sodomy. It's going to destroy this country. Let me tell you what further will happen here. It will cause chaos and the chaos will lead lead to a collapse. And in the collapse and the chaos, there's going to be a tyrant come over this nation. And that tyrant is going to do what FDR did in the emergencies of 1929-32. He's going to declare special emergency powers that will negate the constitution of this nation. And he'll say we're in such a desperate case that we'll have to set aside the constitution and get this thing back in order. Now, there are going to be one or two types of tyrants is going to take this nation over. 
It's either going to be a pro-Sodomite tyrant that will kill the Christians and put them in prison who oppose it, or it's going to be one who'll kill the Sodomites. Mark it in your day book. That's what's going to happen. It's coming. History repeats itself over and over again. If that's what happened in Germany, and the tyrant that came out on top was one who had killed them. A lot of nations that hasn't happened come out on top and they kill and destroy anybody and stop the culture from saying anything about it. So we continue here in verse number 14. A lot went out and spake unto his son-in-laws which married his daughters and said, Up! Get you out of this place now. Let's think a little bit. It's been nightfall. Nightfall came. It was time for them to go to bed. All of a sudden there's this crowd outside, clamoring, beating on the door. Want these two men, bring them out to us so we can know them. They're out in the street at night in the dark. They have this confrontation with Lot. They, they, these men blind them. They go back in the house and Lot sometime in the night, I don't know how he did it. He may have went out the back door, but somehow or another, he went to the houses of his daughters and his son-in-laws and said, up, get up, get up. God's going to destroy this place. You got to get out of here now. Now watch this. The Bible says they mocked him. There's people sitting in this church house today. You mock me. You mock me. You mock what this church stands for. There are people all this country that mock this church. But there's going to come a day when they're not going to mock no more. But I'm going to tell you, be careful about mocking. Be careful about mocking. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Be careful about mocking. Oh, you, uh, Reggie, he's from back in the dinosaur days. No, I'm not. I'm ahead of you. If you're mocking, I'm way ahead of you. This Bible's way ahead of anybody else. I just believe the Bible. And I'm telling you something right now. It's dangerous. But you know what happened to him? He had lost his testimony. He had no influence in his family. Now I'm going to tell you something right. I don't blame it all on Lot because I'm going to tell you something. You can be raised in the best home in the country. And I'll tell you, if your attitude's not right, you're mocking everything you were raised. I'm going to tell you kids something in this church house. You can mock me and your mom and dad if you want to about how you ought to dress, where you ought to go, kind of music you ought to listen to, what you ought to be doing. But I'm going to tell you something. You may mock me, you may mock your mom and daddy, but you're not going to mock God and get by with it. You say, I'll tell you one thing. I ain't going to raise my kids like I was raised. I didn't get to do this. I didn't get to do that. And they wouldn't let me wear this. Wouldn't let me wear that. Yeah, you got a bitter heart. You got a bitter heart. You got it in your head. You're going to. Yeah, I know. Lord, help me not to get in the flesh. It comes up there and says, Verse 14, he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. And when the morning arose, and the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Verse 16, and while he lingered, why did he linger? God's saying, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. We're going to destroy this place. Get out. Why did he linger? He had family there. He lingered. And while he lingered, look at this. The, Lord, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. Look at this statement. The Lord being merciful unto him. They literally, knowing that God was going to destroy him, would not leave that. You know what? This morning, you're listening to me and you're not willing to leave your sin. You're not willing to leave your life, sinful life and your wickedness. But God in mercy is maybe trying to reach your hand. They wouldn't leave. I'll be honest with you. I look back when I got saved, Brother Terry, it's just like the hand of God must just come down because I had no intention. I went to church that night. I had no intention of getting saved. I had no intention of doing what God wanted me to do. But it's like the hand of God just came down and said, Reggie, I'm taking you out of this old world. Boy, I'm glad he did. Amen. And he lingered and they grabbed his hand and they started out with him. And verse number said, they brought them forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, underline this in your Bible, escape for thy life. You know what you need to do to get saved? You need to be saved this morning. You need to escape the wrath of God. He said, look not behind thee. Quit looking behind you. Quit worrying about what, you know, when I got saved, it's the honest truth. I can remember sitting in church that night and God deal with me. And I began to think about these people and that people and what these people think and what that would have, how that affect 
my life and how that affect my business. And it's like God says, don't look behind you. Get out. Amen. Today, I beg of you in Jesus name, quit worrying about what everybody else is going to think about you. Quit thinking about money or anything. Run to God. Escape for your life. Get out of there. And then the Bible says there, they came to pass, but in forth he said, escape for life, look not behind thee, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Now watch what happens. The Lot said unto them, oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant has found grace in thy sight, and that's the truth. And thou hast magnified thy mercy, and that's the truth, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me in, I die. I'll tell you what, that's craziness. I mean, he's just getting out of the city. God's going to burn to the ground. By the way, does anybody know where Sodom and Gomorrah is at today? It's at the south end of the Dead Sea underneath the water. When somebody tells you they found Sodom and Gomorrah, don't pay them much attention to, okay? God wiped that place off the face of the earth. And by the way, it's the Dead Sea. A clam can't live in that sea. I mean, when God wrote death on that thing, death. There is no living life in the Dead Sea. Too much salt in it come back to that later. Anyway. So he come down through there. Verse number 20. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto. It is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. It is not a little one and my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore, the name of the city is called Zoar. Now, I'm going to throw a little something at you, a little theology at you. I can't say this with certainty, but I wonder if this is, not, this is not a picture of the church in the last days of God taking them out before the wrath of God comes on this, on this world. And the church is going to be in such a condition. It'll just be the grace and the mercy of Almighty God takes them out. The sun was risen upon the earth and law entered into Zoar. Then, verse 24, the, rain, the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from who? The from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew these cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, which, that which grew upon the ground. I've been there. I've stood on this property. I've stood on the real estate where the Dead Sea is out there. There are brimstones, black brimstones with, with little nobules on them. All over the ground out there as you're around that Dead Sea. Nothing grows there. Now, when they go in and they redo a bunch of stuff, they might grow upon, they might you know, make them a yard or something like that, or a house around it. But down there where that happened, at, it, I mean, it's dead, dead, dead. I want you to think about this. God rained fire and brimstone out of heaven on these people, and there's nothing left. You talk about a picture of hell. Look at verse number 26. But his wife looked back. And from behind, she became a pillar of something, salt. We're talking about salt and message on. What's the message there? Don't look back. Get out of there. You know what? When God saved Israel out of Egypt, he took them out of there. When God saves you, he's going to take you out of this world. You listen to this preacher. I'm not, listen, you may not like my, the way I present the, the preaching. You may not like my spirit, my attitude. I don't know. I don't tend to, uh, I, I don't want anything, I, any way that I'm coming across to hinder God's truth coming to your heart. Okay? But I want to tell you something. This is not playground stuff. This is serious business. And your Lord, our Lord said, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The greatest evidence, Brother Jason, I know of that we're approaching the second coming of Christ according to that prophecy is, is the attitudes of Christians toward this thing. Like Lothead. It's not so much the Sodomite crowd as it is the way Christians are dealing with this thing. And they're pity patting and acting like there's nothing wrong with it. And you know, well, you know, it's just, you know, I got tickled this morning. I seen I could I, I posted I couldn't help it. Carrie Lake out there in Arizona. I don't know much about her, but I, I know she's conservative. That's about all I know. She's at the Iowa Fair. And she got all them reporters lined up on the rope right there, and she's gonna milk a Jersey cow. And she said, Is there any reporters in the New York Times or the New, or Washington Post here? And this one guy says, I'm from the I'm a photographer from the New York Times. And she said, Watch me milk this cow. She starts milking that Jersey cow. She said, looked over at that New York Times and said, you're a photographer, look at me. How many genders are there? You know what that reporter wouldn't say? She wouldn't say. 
I just take pictures. I just take pictures. That's how stupid woke those people are. Won't even say. And so, you know what Carrie Lake said? I, I like this, brother. She said, I'm milking a cow. She said, you try milking a bull and see if you think there's any difference in them. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, this is stupidity. This is stupidity. And you said, no, something I can't help what you're going to do in Springfield, Chicago, Sacramento, but this is Norwood, Missouri, and God's put me here, and I want every family in this church house to raise your boys as boys and your girls as girls, amen. I'll tell you something, put a chainsaw in the hand of your boy and a hammer and an axe and a hoe and make a boy out of him, amen. This sissy business makes me sick. When I was a kid, we called them sissies, and we'd whoop them. You can take it out of them. You can take it. You can take that sick and sissy stuff. I'm just turning loose on a bunch of mean country boys. Yes, sir. Let them go haul hay with them about two or three weeks. That'll fix them. Buck some hay bales. Amen. You can get some of your faces so square. All you done look at a, at a, at a, at a deal for so long. Your face is square. You ain't done nothing. Sit around. I won't tell you right now. I don't care. Daddy, you let your boy sit around the house like a little wimp and a sissy. I'll tell you, get him out and work. Amen. You go out and I'll tell you what. Make him cut firewood. Right, Phil? Amen. Put a split mall in their hand. This is craziness. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I don't know where my outline went to, but it went somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, look what happens here. Verse number 24. And Abraham get up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. Good idea to get up in the morning and meet God first. Amen. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain beheld. The low, the smoke of the country went up at the smoke of the furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst. The only reason he got out of there because God had mercy on him. Sent Lot out of the midst to overthrow when he was overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. And Lot went up out of Zor and he dwelt in the mountain. Hmm. First of all, Lot said, well, I want to go over to the city. Don't send me up in the mountain. I want to go to the city. I, I feel safe in the city. I don't want to live in no city. I'm glad few preachers that are preaching in the city, but I want to preach in the country. Amen. I don't live in the, I don't know. I don't know how that ain't Bible, but I like it. Amen. All of a sudden, he changed his mind. I don't go up a mountain. I'm going to a cave. Anybody tell me why? When he saw, watch this. When he saw God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah so powerfully, it scared him to be in the city of Zor. And he said, we're getting out of Dodge. You know what you need? You need an old fashioned fear of God in you. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You know why you're not saved today? Because Satan has convinced you that God's no big deal. You have no fear in your heart. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So he goes up to the mountain. Daughters, he's afraid that God's going to burn that town down. You don't know what when things, sometimes God may burn your field, God may burn some things in your life and get your attention. God's long suffering. I wonder who it is interceding for you today. Who's, pray, who's praying for you right now? Is the only reason God hadn't pulled the plug on you? Well, the Bible said he got up here and two daughters and for he feared to dwell in Zoar and he dwelt in the cave and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, our father is what? So here you got an old man in the mountain. There he is. And he's so messed up that his daughters, now I want you to think about it. What made his daughters say this? You know what made his daughters, look what they said. The firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. What made them say that? What in the world made that girls say to other girl, Let's get her get drunk? Because ain't nobody left. Those girls thought God had destroyed the whole earth. They didn't think there's anybody left. That's how bad that was. That's what they said. In their mind, there's no, there, nobody's left. They were up in the mountains. They saw what God was doing to that hellhole. Boom! And so they said, let's get her dad drunk. And you know, the, you know the rancid story. They get him drunk, incest. By the way, two nations that hate God were conceived out of that. And for, for all of history, Ammonites and Moabites hated God and caused God's people trouble. And then I take you back to the start of my message. 
where Abraham, or where Lot, where, where Lot gets up, sick at his stomach, looks over, see his daughter sleeping, kind of half wrapped up in a blanket, stumbles out to the front of the cage and vomits, looks and sees the smoke still billowing up out of the valley. And I, I, I honestly believe he may have said to himself, how on earth, how on earth did he get like this? My wife's gone. My sons are all gone. My daughter-in-laws are gone. My grandchildren are gone. My home is gone. Everything I own is gone. Everything I had is gone. The only thing I got left two daughters and what a mess! What a mess! God! How did he get like this? What happened? And the Bible gives you the answer. And we're not going to go. I'm going to shut this thing on and cut half my message out right now. In chapter 13, the Bible says a statement, this, and I don't want you to ever forget this. And Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. I'm going to preach you a message of warning, and I'm going to let, and we're going to be done. There are people listening to me here and online you have pitched your tent toward Sodom. Yeah. <coughs> Let me tell you about Reg Kelly. And I married that woman over there. My tent was pitched toward Sodom. I've not been the best dad in the world. I sure ain't been the best husband. But Brother Caleb, if God hadn't got a hold of me, I tremble to think where my children and grandchildren would be today. Amen. Let me tell you about this church. You know what this church is all about? It's trying to get families to not pitch their tent toward Sodom. Amen. That's what it's about. To turn their families and pitch their tent toward Zion. Amen. Toward New Jerusalem. Yeah. But you say, Reggie, he just pitched his tent toward Sodom. He didn't. Yeah, there's the key. You see, if you'd have said, Lot, listen, man, you're fixing to pitch your tent toward. I want, can I tell you, Lot, what's going to happen? Lot, you're going to lose your children, you're going to lose your daughters, your son-in-laws, your home, your house, all the furniture, all your money, all you got in the bank. You're going to lose everything. Your wife's going to die outside. You're going to have to be drugged out of that city. God's going to burn that up. You're going to take two daughters and go up in the mountain and they're going to get you drunk and commit incest with you. And you're going to stand at the edge of that cave and say, God, what happened? Yep. And he just said, well, that ain't going to happen. Oh, yeah. I'm not going down into Sodom. I just kind of looks like pretty good bottom ground down there and the Jordan River flows through there and they got a lot of trade centers and I mean it could make some good money down here. Looks to me like the market's probably real good. You say Reggie, how do you, what made him pitch his tent towards Sodom? Number one, he had a materialistic mindset. Are you listening to me? Amen. All about money. You, you, you don't, you, listen, don't be stupid. His herdsmen were striving with Abraham's herdsmen over water and crops. It was about money, about materialism. And you will pitch your, the second you start focusing your life on materialism, you are pitching your tent towards Sodom. Amen. Materialism. You start selling your compromise and your convictions out to achieve what you want to achieve, to get what you want to get, to be where you want to get. Materialistic societies are always destroyed. They're self-destructive. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But you'll, some of you young people in here, another thing, watch this, another way you pitch your tent toward is love of the world. And when we talk about love of the world, here's what we're talking about. You like the world to approve of you. You're more concerned about them approving you than God. And in order to get their approval, in order to get their acceptance, you're going to sell yourself out because you love the world. I don't care if you sit in this church. I don't care if you go here for 52 years. It doesn't mean you love God. But you pitch your tent toward love of the world and you'll get closer and you'll get closer and you'll get closer and you'll get closer. And by the way, pretty soon who, where he was at, watch this. He was sitting in the gate, which means he was part of the city council. He was in the government of the town. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He had sold himself out. Step by step by step, he kept. Let me tell you something. A TV 
You put a TV in your home, you're pitching your tent toward Sodom. You fiddle around that phone a lot, you'll pitch your tent toward Sodom. You let the world educate your children, you're going to pitch your tent toward Sodom. I'm telling you something. You say, well, that ain't where... Have you studied the Department of Education here recently, their goals for American schools? Have you, have you checked it out? Have you checked out what they've got in mind for you? Did you know that just this past week that a federal judge ruled that schools can... Is this going to be a big battle this year? That schools cannot prohibit transgenders from coming into any restroom they so choose. You, you, I, I tell you what I do. I dare you go to Mountain Grove, go to Mansfield. I don't care where you go. Norwood. I don't care. Gather all the kids up in the gymnasium. And get up there and say, I want to ask you all a question. Is it wrong to be gay? Anybody got any ideas of what the response will be in the school assembly? What's your guess? What do you guess they'll say? Most of them are going to say this. Well, I don't agree with it, but if that's what they want to be, yeah. it's, a, you know, it's kind of, it's they think that sounds kind of half safe. You know, I, I kind of got myself covered here. I'm not for it, but, you know, if that's what you want to be. Lot didn't get into Sodom overnight. He pitched his tent toward it. I want to ask you today, what are you doing to pitch your tent toward Sodom? I could take you to family after family in American history. The Hunt family, the Ketchup family, uh, the DuPont family, uh, the big industrial families. I can take you, prove this historically to you, that the major money families in America started out with hardworking men and mothers who worked their guts out to try to build a business and try to be successful. and And God blessed it. And they got rich. And then the next generation didn't appreciate and didn't understand what happened to get there. And then that third generation, they could care less because they're just on a boat ride. And they literally, yeah, by the way, that family right there, they're one of the greatest protectors of sodomites and that movement, trans movement in America right now. And I know people down in Arkansas who know, who really know that situation. And what happens is then they get into the pleasure ride because they don't have to work for a living. They got money coming in from all the stocks and all that stuff's coming in. So they don't really have to work for a living. So you know what they do? They start giving money to universities and throwing money here and throwing money there. And they party. And they party so hard that they get what's called in the Bible burned out lusts. It doesn't satisfy them anymore. Buy three whores, that don't satisfy them no more. Something wilder. Let me tell you something. How many members of a guy named Rock Hudson? Rock Hudson was one of the most famous movie stars that ever was in the United States. He was considered to be the epitome of American manhood. Only one problem. He wasn't a man. He was a Hollywood star that was a sodomite and one of the first men that died of AIDS in America. He was with young men. He He bought young men like slaves with his movie money. This thing didn't just get here overnight. I don't like preaching this, okay? But I'm going to ask you a question. Where's your tent pitched? Where's your tent pitched? You better make some decisions about which way your family's headed. And you know what? It may be that some of your family's not going to follow you. It may be. But don't you let it stop you. Don't you turn around, Mama. Don't you turn around and say, I want to be with my kids. I want to be with my kids. I want their life. I want to be with my grandkids. So I'm going to accept all this so I can be with my grandkids. Escape for thy life. Flee to the mountain. Flee to Calvary. Uh... I want to get something straightened out this morning before I dismiss. I put a post up this week early. I woke up four o'clock in the morning. And I was never, I haven't been so troubled and I do not know when. I got out of bed. I walked in the room.
turned on the light, sat down with my Bible, started reading Psalms like I do a lot of times. Just, Lord, what is it? Lord, what's wrong? What's the matter? And I don't know how to describe this other than this is the way God works with me. That still small voice said this to me. They're having a concert at Mountain Grove Saturday. The Ozarks Daredevils. And you know what that's about. You were, you were involved in that in 1972 and 1973. And you know what's going on. I want you to put a post on Facebook. I want you to take a stand against it. And then literally, a, a hand went to my head. I said, God, this would just stir up all kinds of nonsense. Lord, I'm, I'm tired of trouble. I'm tired of fights. I'm tired of all the junk. There'll be good friends of mine who'll be there. There'll probably be people from church there. Now, I want to make something really clear right now. This is to our church people. I have and had no problem with the Ozarks Heritage Festival in and of itself. No problem. It's kind of nice. Take your goods and your things and go down there and sell them and have a good time. Amen. Enjoy yourself. Meet people and, and, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that that I know of. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see any problem with the, the festival in and of itself. But when you have a band come in that is so antichrist, it's pitiful. This is the truth. When I begin to think on this, the song that made them famous in 1973, I was in Springfield, Missouri, into college at that time. The song that made them famous is called, Do You Want to Go to Heaven? It started running through my mind like a recorder. It came back to my mind, Brother Josh, that fast. I hadn't thought of it in years. Then I can start hearing the language. Do you want to go to heaven? You got to raise a little hell. Do you want to go to heaven? They're from the stage and I've seen it. And the beer cans and the dope and the drugs and they're up there. Do you want to go to heaven? You got to raise a little hell. And you want to see the angel fell? Do you want to go to heaven? Who's they talking about the angel fell? Satan. 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 And I'll tell you right now, this is a flat out truth. By the tens of thousands, the Ozarks daredevils led young people to hell because they fed, they knew what they were doing. They fed right into the rebellion of those 13, 14, 16, 18, and 22 year old kids that didn't want to serve God anyway and said, don't worry about heaven. You just raise a little hell. Now I want to ask you something. The way to heaven, is it by raising hell? No. No. You know what that is? That's blasphemy. That is a direct atomic bomb attack on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Because the way to heaven is not by raising hell. The way to heaven is by the blood, faith in the blood and the sufferings and the death of our Savior. And it's like God said, Reggie, what on earth are you doing as a preacher? You know this. Amen. Amen. You are going to be quiet. You're going to sit back out here at your farm and you're going to say nothing. You're going to be a coward. You're going to be a sissy. You're going to lick the devil's feet, Reg. Is that what you're going to do this week? And so I put a post on there. And the first thing I said about it was fake and phony. Okay. Boy, did I catch it. First thing I caught was from a preacher. Accusing me of labeling everybody in Mountain Grove and all the churches as being fake and phony. That is not what I said. First of all, I addressed it as fake and phony. So if you're fake and phony, but you're, if if you're not fake and phony, is that post talking about you? No. But you know what they'll do, Brett? They'll twist everything you say. Paint you out to be the devil yourself. Kevin or Caleb, what would you think about me having them here at church? Oh, so it's just church, but we don't mind out yonder. Hmm? Anybody here want me to have the Ozarks Daredevils come for a Sunday night service? No. Why not? 
Okay, is it okay then for me to go down to their concert and sit there and lick the devil's feet? No. I mean, it's time to get rid. Hey, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven. Not a, it's not about the lost crowd. I expected them to go. I expect the Mountain Grove City Council to have them come. They don't care about Christ. Who are you kidding? Right. So I want it clear this morning. You went down and had a booth. Don't have any problem with that. It's also the worst I don't. I don't have a little problem with it whatsoever. It's down at the festival. What I have a problem about is you sliding into that crowd, man. Woo! Those are daredevils. They're going to talk about raising hell to go to heaven. Mm. And then people coming to church on Sunday morning. Here's what I'm telling you. You say, Reggie, it ain't no big deal. Wasn't no big deal when Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom either. Yeah, it was. It's a big deal. By the way, I'm sorry, Christian. And I'll tell you, this is true. They ain't, they ain't pious talk. It's sorry. But I do, in here and here, know that Jesus Christ suffered and died for my sins on that old rugged cross. And spilled his life blood out. And that's the only possible way I'll ever go to heaven. He gave his life for me. And I'm going to wallow at the feet below a stage of men who say the way to heaven is raising hell. No. No. Not doing it. And neither am I going to be quiet about it. So, if you don't want me for your pastor, you need to find you a church where they like that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not running nobody off. I'm not telling nobody to leave. I'm just telling you, you ain't going to be comfortable here. That's right. With that. It's just the honest truth. I'm trying to lead this church away from Sodom. Not toward Sodom. Let's stand together as the pianist comes.